shout that name with me a little bit. Come on, say Jesus. Jesus. The word says that every demon in hell shakes when you say Jesus. Just when you say his name, Jesus. 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 So when you come upon a circumstance and you don't know what to say, you don't know how to pray, you don't know what to do, maybe you're discouraged, maybe you're going through a, a battle. The, the cutest little story I, I, can, I can remember is we had a little old lady who would drive a bus and pick up people. And then she got old and she couldn't pick up anymore. So we offered to pick her up and say, let us pick you up because you can't drive anymore. She said, absolutely not. I'm going to drive that city. I'm going to ride on that city bus and I'm just going to win everybody I ne ride next to, to Jesus. They're going to just, just come to me and they're just going to. So she see, saw that as not a negative, but she saw it as a positive. And so one day, it was in the evening, we had night church back then, and, and she went to get on the bus, and these robbers, as you would say, they went to steal what they thought was her pocketbook and her money, and, and she just starts saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. They looked at her like she was crazy. They pushed the button and said, get me off of this thing right now. So they got off the bus. So when you don't know what to say or you're just a little bit scared, you just start saying, Jesus, there's power in your name. There's healing in your name. There's whatever you have need of is all found in Jesus. And like that other song said, there's another in the fire. You know, Jesus never said that we wouldn't go through trials. He never said we wouldn't go through hard situations. But he did promise he would never leave us. He would never forsake us. And he would never let us go through it alone. So there was another in the fire that went through that trial of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. There's another in the fire with you today. So whatever you're going through, just know you're not alone. And you can say, Jesus, 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 you're with me. You're not forsaking me. I am not alone. I, you are here. So just declare that and speak that word, Jesus. In the last service, we were running a little late because... Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he, show, he shows up every week. He does. He just showed up in a special way. The word is powerful today, and I'm excited for you to hear the word. It is about the harvest, but the harvest is ready, but where's the laborers? Here I am. And so that, it's, just, it's just a powerful word. And um, someone had shared with me in between the message and the songs that their daughter had went septus and, and that, that we needed a miracle. And so at the, end, at the end of the sermon, we prayed and the Holy Spirit just fell. And I believe that we're going to have such a great report that it is finished and God has healed that septus and it's gone in Jesus' name. So we're declaring that. So whatever you have need of today, as we sing, how beautiful. God is so beautiful. And he thinks you're beautiful just the way you are. We're going to sing this one more song. How beautiful. Just worship him. Just engage with him today. Just engage. Just press in just a little bit more. Just press in. Forget about everything in your situation. Just say, here I am to worship. Yeah. 
liked what uh, Janie said there a moment ago. Uh, you're beautiful. You, you are beautiful right where you're at. You're, you're beautiful. And we had uh, come into an acquaintance with the person recently, Janie and I did, that helped us with a couple projects. And, and the, the person's misunderstood. And a lot of people don't, they don't, they didn't value this person for the person that they are because they didn't take time to get to know this person. And it hit me one day that that person's so beautiful, misunderstood, but so beautiful. And, and I think maybe, maybe someone here needs to hear that today. You're beautiful. I mean, you are beautiful. You are so beautiful. 
your situation and we, we know what it is God is going to see victory through this and what the enemy stole it's going to come back 100% so your son's coming home he's coming home according to the Holy Spirit right now and the courts we're just going to say favor from the Holy Spirit they're coming your way the court the, the decision from the judge is going to be with you so we're going to declare that because he thinks you're beautiful and every one of us in this room have made a mistake and done something and i don't know that about her i'm just being obedient to the holy spirit every one of us have done something that we say i wish i hadn't done that but the holy spirit is saying i think you're beautiful so you need to let go of everything that is holding you back to thinking i'm not good enough i should have did this and i wish i did that let it go and just say i'm beautiful in the eyes of the lord he loves me son is coming home in Jesus name. So can we do that? Can we just agree together? If y'all just like, Charity, would you pray, pray with Chelsea right there? And we're just going to pray that, that God is going to do a miraculous miracle. If you've ever had to go to courts for your children, that's not a good thing. It's probably the hardest thing in the whole wide world I think I've ever endured. So I want you to pray as if this was your daughter or your grandchild who was going to meet a judge and the judge was going to give the, the child where the child needs to be and it's with this, this precious lady because God sees her as beautiful. Can you just pray with me right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just agree with the body of Christ right here for my friend. Lord, I just ask God favor from heaven to come in this moment and Lord, that we pray for the wisdom of the judge to see the truth, Lord. We know what the truth is. And so we just ask God that, Lord, as, as your word just, the Holy Spirit just put into my heart that it is finished, it is done. And Lord, that she is beautiful. And you see her as beautiful. You see her as worthy. You see her as complete and finished. So we call that forth and we pray for, for peace for her little eight-year-old son, Lord. I just pray for peace right now that you would place upon his heart as he's having to deal with this situation who longs to be with mama. So Lord, I just pray, God, favor over her situation. I thank you for her faithfulness, Lord, to never miss service and to, to bring it to you. So Lord, we agree according to your word. Your word says if two or three would agree as touching anything, then there you are to meet that need. So we come in agreement, Lord, with my friend today that you are meeting this need. You are completing everything you started and everything that the enemy has stolen from her. It is coming back blessing upon blessing upon blessing. So we call it forth and we thank you God in advance for the miracle and we give you praise in Jesus name can you give him praise come on
church. Give the Lord a shout of praise. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Wow. You are beautiful. Amen. You are beautiful in the King's eyes. Praise the Lord. All right, great students, you can go downstairs with Emily. She will lead you down there. Praise the Lord. Give it up for our great students, church. Come on. Praise God. That was weak. All right. Man, God is so good. Amen? I mean, all the time, we serve a good, good father. A good father. He loves you. He cares for you. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, if you're a guest here today, you're our VIP. Grace Church, give it up for our VIPs today. Come on. You can do that. Praise the Lord. There's a connect card in back of one of the chairs in front of you. If you'd be so kind to fill it out, take it out the doors to the right. Miss Pam will greet you and answer any questions that she can for you and give you some gifts from Grace Church and uh, maybe just get to know you, get to plug in. Hey, we have some wonderful uh, guests and friends in the house today. I love, uh, I love the younger generation of ministers coming up. I love people who have dedicated their lives to Christ and to the Lord. Uh, we have a retired pastor in the house, great friends of uh, mine and Janie, uh, a former Iowa football player, fighter, pilot, and pastor. Uh, friends of ours, Bob Gruber and his wife, Kathy. Would you stand and give my dear friend, Bob and Kathy, a hand of appreciation. Brother, I love you so much. You are such a great man of God. Thank you for coming out today. They pastored here in North Carolina. He's retired now, a general in the faith, uh, uh, just a lover of God and a lover of people. Thank you, brother, for coming out. Thank you for all your years of ministry as well. Service to our country, service to the kingdom. Brother, I'd like to just carry your crown on the other side. That's what I want to do. I just want to be there to help you carry it before the king. To lay. Would you let me do that? Would you, would you let me help you? Man, you're awesome. God bless you. Praise God. What a great guy. What a great, great man of God. Uh, church, we love you. God bless you. Thank you for all that you do. A couple announcements really quickly. Uh, one, we are on October 30th, two weeks from today, going to have a harvest party at both campuses during uh, church time. So bring your kids out, bring your grandkids out, bring your neighbors out. There'll be a party downstairs from zero to nine or 10. Uh, going to have little pumpkins full of candy and healthy candy. I don't know how healthy candy, but we're gonna call it healthy, calorie-free candy, no cavity-free candy, all that good, like just good stuff. It's gonna be great. Apples and oranges maybe uh, on a sidebar, but uh, bring the kids on out. It's gonna be a great time for them. On the second Wednesday, we're gonna have a Friendsgiving at the downtown campus upstairs in the ballroom. Uh, if, you've, if you're new to church, come on out. Uh, if you're old to church, come on out. We'll talk about 10 minutes at the end about what it's like at Grace Church, who we are, what we're about. Bring a side dish to share or a dessert. 
Uh, Janie's going to make turkey and ham, and, and trust me when I say this, she makes really good turkey and ham, so it's going to be amazing, but come on out. We would love to get to know you, bring your family. It's going to be great. And then the second Sunday of November, on the 13th, we're going to have water baptisms here at this campus. Behind the wall, we have a baptistry, and so we're going to baptize those of you who signed up, encouraged by the number of signed up. If you'd like to get baptized, sign on up. We would love to uh, water baptize you during the worship service. Bring your family out. Bring your friends out uh, so they can celebrate with you. Make this public confession of your of your uh, uh, commission and transformation in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Uh, we love uh, Grace Church. We're a tithing church, so if you bring your tithe to the storehouse, we want to pray over it now. You can give on the way out, the kiosk, you know, the the, the duty, but we want to pray for you. We want to pray blessings upon you. Those who give uh, online, those who watch online, we want to pray and bless and ask God to bless you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gift. We thank you for the giver. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the tithe and offering, which is our obligation to bring to you. So bless the, the people who are challenged to give, those who give faithfully and continually, those who support different needs around the, the church and in our area. Father, bless them. Use them, Father. Cause promotion, increase, and in blessing and favor in all that they do. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said amen. Praise God. Can you give it up for the worship team and those watching online this morning? Thank you, worship team. God bless you, those tuning in. We appreciate you coming out. Appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you giving. Hey, uh, we, we uh, in October, we talk about the harvest. We also talk about giving, and so we support a uh, mission uh, orphanage in Haiti, 100%. That's kind of our call to duty. We, we buy all their meals, uh, every meal, every day, all month long, all year long for 203 orphans in Haiti. Uh, so that's one thing we do. You can help us with that if you'd like. Uh, we've picked up the orphanage in Nicaragua, uh, $200 a month, but I'd like to boost that to 500 a month starting uh, the first of the year. If we can, would that be okay if we helped you guys out? So we're going to, uh, that's by faith, by the way, so we're going to need some of your help to do that. I always give by faith and just expect the people to, to step up. So is that all right? Will you, will you help us give uh, 500 a month to Nicaragua? Uh, we helped put a roof on their deal. I, the, her, there's another hurricane coming through, or maybe it came through, but we love these guys, appreciate their faithfulness to the kingdom. What they do is beautiful in the kingdom, and so we want to bless them. Uh, we paid off $5 million worth of medical debt for North Carolinians over the last three years. We want to continue to do that. So uh, God is good, right? And, and so we want to bless people. We know God will bless back. Thank, uh, thankful for those who, we gave away, we gave away 30,000 pounds of food over the last two and a half months. So thanks to Marcus and his team for all the work that they did. Cherokee, the block parties, we have a little bit left, but we already have that designated, I think. So thank you, church. Thank you, Grace Church, for doing what you're doing. Uh, let's continue to do it uh, in 2023, all right? Uh, God loves a cheerful, faithful giver, and so we thank you for that. Tithe and offering, missions. Uh, I'm preaching again I think, to Pakistan on October the 20th, uh, which is coming up. So 
if you'd like to help us buy Bibles for Pakistan, uh, we every time I preach via Zoom there, we, we buy a Bible for every Pakistanian that tunes in. Usually it's around 300 or 300 to 500 people, so we buy them a Bible and send them over. So uh, if you'd like to help with that, just all those things. God bless you. Thank you for what you're doing. Harvest time. So this is the harvest. It's October. If you're from a Midwestern state especially, you kind of get it. You understand it. The harvest is ripe. Jesus said we're going to talk about it. Talked about two two weeks ago, seed time and harvest. Marcus did a great job last week just about the harvest field. We'll, We'll talk about today how Jesus sees the harvest. What What's his idea about the harvest? And we'll, we'll walk through that. So let's pray, and then we'll read out of uh, Psalms. I, I love Psalms. been locked into Psalms lately, and so we'll read out of Psalms 1 and 6. But let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Open up, Lord, Father, Lord, our heart today to hear the word that you have for us regarding the harvest. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry that's already been done in the church today, the first service and the worship service here But help us, Lord, to hear, to understand, to know, Lord, that there's a lot going on in the world, and you're relying on us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. Psalm 126, 1 through 6, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Stop there for a second. We need to have dreamers in our midst. We need to allow people to dream, and we need to be careful that we're not squashing people's dreams, especially the younger generation. They're born with creativity. They're born with imagination. They're born with dreaming. Our youngest grandson, Judah, is three years old, and, and he says things, and, and he can only say them from his point of view. He, he doesn't know what he's saying. He doesn't have any brothers, but uh, the, Janie was putting on a, a cartoon for him the other day, and he said, yeah, me and my my brothers, we always watch this show. And we know that his shows are limited, and we know he doesn't have any brothers. So Janie said, I think we got a liar in our midst. <laughs> but no, he was, he was just with his cousins, and he his cousins are kind of his cousins are brothers, so he thought he was a brother of his cousin, and they were watching that show at the other grandma's house, and so he associated too. But he's a dreamer, he's an imaginary, he 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 loves it. His sister's a dreamer, his cousins are dreamers, and we need to allow people to dream. Church, we you need to become a dreamer again. And those dreamers, uh, those dreams that maybe somebody has squashed inside of you, just don't tell your dreams to everybody. I'm sure the orphanage in Nicaragua was a dream at one time. And then it becomes to fruition and then becomes hard work. you got to raise money. You have to do things. You have to pray over it. You have to, you're, you're nervous. There's COVID, all those things. But there's dreams that take place. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, the place called Bess, we were like those who dream. You need to raise up that dream dream again, church, within you. Verse number two says, then our mouth was filled with laughter. Have you ever laughed at how God works things out? Like, it's just funny sometimes. Oh, I, I didn't see that one coming. And all of a sudden, God puts all the pieces together, throws you a curveball, and it's like, wow, praise God. This is awesome. And you start to laugh, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Can you give the Lord five seconds of praise this morning? Just give him a shout. He's worthy. He's worthy to be praised church. He loves you. All of a sudden we're laughing, we're praising, we're shouting. Then they said among the nations, this is other people talking about you, the Lord has done great things for them. 
I mean, God's really worked it out. Verse 3 says, and they changed. The Lord has done great things for us. It's like sometimes the world sees the church, the God in church before the people in church see God. It's like sometimes the people have a better stronghold of faith than people in church. It's like you're living it. It's becoming a testimony. It's working out. It's taking care of things are happening. And the people outside are saying, yeah, it's going to work out for them. And then all of a sudden, the psalmist here, who some believe is Ezra, says, wait a second. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Verse number four, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams of Najeb. We'll come back to that in a minute. For those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him, those who tarry, those who sow, those who work hard. It's not for naught. God is on your side. He sees you today. He knows there's going to be a harvest that's going to follow you. Let me give you four things quickly today that I see that Jesus, how Jesus sees the harvest. Number one, Jesus sees the harvest as plentiful. Unbelievable harvest out there. Let's read Matthew 9, 37. The Bible says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. It's like there is a ripe harvest out there. Marcus read the scripture last week. I'm reading it this week. We'll probably read it again next week. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. When Jesus walked on earth, there were about 150 million people. Today, there's 7.8 billion people. 150 more people in the population every two years. And so the population is growing. There's a harvest. About 25% profess Christ. Two billion people or so profess who Christ is, right? They know Jesus. They want to follow him. But that, that means there's 75% who don't profess Christ. And we need to know, and some of them are your neighbors. Some of them are your family members and friends. But listen, the key word here is grace. Everybody say grace. In fact, shout grace for a moment. Grace is, grace is how we need to operate. In other words, we don't need to get people saved before they darken the door of a church. We need to just simply invite them just the way they are. We need to love them where they're at. Yeah, but pastor, that's kind of a soft message. And, and then maybe these people are, are a little honorary, or maybe they have a, a lifestyle that, that we don't accept. Or maybe they look different or smell different or act different. That's just the way we want them, church. Because that's just the way Jesus wants them. You know, Jesus spent more time out of the temple than he did in the temple. He, he, he literally hung around people who uh, the world called sinners. This is where we should be. We should hang around people who maybe don't know who Jesus is. We should hang around people. I got great advice from my father-in-law who went home to be with Jesus a year ago, uh, literally to be with Jesus. Janie was driving uh, through the mountains recently and saw all this beauty. And she's, man, I just wish my dad was here to see it. And then she realized the beauty that her father is seeing is way more beautiful than what we're seeing. All right? But, but, but he, he told me when we went into full-time ministry, uh, 22 years ago, he sat me down and said, Mark, I got to tell you something. I want you to get it. I said, okay, what is it? He said, it's not your job to separate the wheat from the tares. That's Jesus' job. Now think about that for a second. 
Because for so long, the church wants to separate. Well, you're going to hell. They're, they're just going to hell. They're, there's no hope for them. They're, they're not going to get saved. Oh, there's a good, yeah, that person. And this person over here just might have a better mask on. The person over here might just have a better face when they show up at church, but they got the same problems, they got the same issues. They just disguise it better. So we literally don't know who's wheat and tares. That's up to Jesus. What our job is to do is just be fertile ground for everybody so they can come in, they can belong, and then eventually they become some new creature in Christ Jesus. It's, it's simple. I like how we reserve the front seat for you guys every week. You like that, don't you? It's like, we can be a little bit late. Our seat's going to be available. <laughs> Sorry for calling you out. It's like, I always look for you. Are they here? So is Jane Brittany here? Yeah, here they come. Yeah, praise God. <laughs> that, listen, we need to reserve seats for people. You need a neighbor, a family member, a friend, a coworker, an enemy that you can say, I'm, I'm going to pray that that person fills a seat someday in, in my church. Someday in, in where I go to, where I believe, somewhere where I belong, I, that, I, that I can just see them come to fruition where maybe they don't know that they're accepted. I'm going to make sure they know they're accepted because there's a harvest field out there that is plentiful. Like in, even in America, we are so post-Christian that it's not even funny. Like, we don't talk about Jesus anymore. And, and the church is even bought into that. Well, we, got, we want to respect that. Okay, respect this. That person is going to stand in front of Christ someday on the day of judgment, and you're going to be there watching, and they're going to look at you and say, why didn't you tell me there was a Savior? Why? Well, see, it's not what you do to get you saved. It's who you believe gets you saved. This is who I believe in Christ. I'm saved. Well, yeah, but their lifestyle or this or their motives or that. Okay, wait a second. Let, let Jesus separate that. Let's just give them somebody to look at. The only person that looks at you and doesn't know Jesus has to see Jesus in you because some people literally don't know love. They've never had love of a father or love of a mother. They never had love of a church or a pastor or a congregation. So now they're looking, and if they can see Jesus in you, they're going to love Jesus. They're going to accept Christ because you're showing them who Jesus is. It's plentiful. Number two, it's precious. To Jesus, the harvest is precious. I mean, that's why he came, right? He died so that there would be a harvest. In fact, he says unless the seed goes on the ground and dies... There would be no fruit, so he died, and now we're part of that fruit. That when we become his fruit, we become part of his harvest. He wants us to go out and become laborers into the harvest field so that we can, be, we can be workers in that harvest. Scripture says in Luke 19, let's just read 41, Jason. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Bob, one of the things I remember about you is you cry. You're a crier like me. There's, there's an emotional side our daughter Jessica cries. In fact, she, she's a protector. Like she, she wants to, she'll beat you up and then cry with you. After she, you know, there's, 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 there's people like that, right? And, and there's an emotional, Jesus wept. Jesus was so compassionate over Israel that he would just stop and he would just cry. And only one time, in, uh, one of three times in scripture where we even read where Jesus cried. He wept over Mary and Martha's lack of faith. And then in the garden, he cried as if it were drops of blood. He, he wept 
because he knew he was going to have to take the cross. Only three times did we really, but he knew the harvest was so plentiful and so precious to him. Who are you crying over? What, what city? What family member? What town? What, what co-worker? What, again, what enemy? What neighbor? Are you crying over that, that the Lord would just have his way in their life? We have to see people, and then we have to weep. Not because of their, uh, their uh, out of apathy, their, their pitifulness. We have to weep because they, they can be so much in Christ Jesus. They can be so many things. I, I have a, a girlfriend who I married who wept over me, who cried over me. And I'm not in the kingdom today because of, without that. And then maybe some of my family members aren't in the kingdom today without me weeping over their names or their prayer time. Or maybe somebody's not. You're in the kingdom today because somebody prayed for you. Maybe it's somebody that you don't know. Maybe it is a grandma or a mother or a father or someone you do know, a brother or a sister. But you are in the kingdom today because somebody wept over you. We have to weep. Because the, the harvest is, is precious. Jesus grieves for every soul. And God grieves because those who die without Christ will never know his love. We believe as a church there still is a literal heaven and a literal hell. I know some people try to explain that away. Well, if God's love, God's love is that he gave us choice. And the choice is that we can receive Christ or not. Now, Romans 2, 12 through 15 says that we're, we're judged or we're accused or excused by our heart. In other words, we have this God-sized hole in our heart that causes us to either reject Christ or to love Christ. But the harvest is precious, and we're part of the harvest. And whether we're a wheat or a tare, we're precious in the sight of the king because that's why Jesus came and died was for the harvest. My father-in-law, I mentioned a moment ago in his funeral, um, a couple months before he had ever, he'd gotten sick and passed right away. It was a very quick uh, instance, and we'd sent Janie up there. She found out Monday morning. By Monday afternoon, she was in Omaha at the hospital, or council was at the hospital, uh, visiting him, praying with him, singing with him, and then he uh, he passed away the next day, but really that night, he was for all intents and purposes, he, he was gone. And so she had, she got to sing with him, and he was singing, and he was, yeah, I'll probably go home in four days, and just all of a sudden, it was, it was, uh, he was with Jesus. A couple months before that, uh, Jenny's oldest sister, uh, Denise, had kind of an icebreaker, hey, if you could do something one time, what, what would you do? What would, what would be something you could do one more time? And, you know, she was expecting uh, maybe a good trip, a uh, family trip, or, you know, a fun dessert or something. And, and he said, I don't know, niece. And she was giving him some ideas. Well, what about that time we went to Colorado? Or what about that time we went to Disneyland or whatever? And he said, you know, niece, I think if I could do one more thing one last time, it would be win one more soul. Maybe I could just win one more soul. Uh, come on, Dad. And she tried to explain. <laughs> no, no. No, and he said, just one more, one more thing. Maybe just one more soul for Jesus. And his funeral, I was, uh, had the honor of preaching. And at the end of it, I gave an altar call. And you know what? There was one more soul that raised their hand for Jesus. Upon his death, life came, life came forward. Because the harvest is that precious to the king. Number three, it's perishing. So not only is it plentiful and is it precious, but it's also perishing. 
John 4.35, Jesus says this, Do you not say there are yet four months? Again, Marcus quoted this last week. Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, here's what I want to concentrate on. Lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. When you walk through a store, you walk through a mall, you, you walk through a neighborhood, you walk through the workplace, you walk through the city, you walk through a church, there is a harvest field in front of you. There are hard, now listen, it's not your job to get them saved. It's just your job to plant seed. It's just your, your job to water. It's just your job to love. It's just your job to have grace. It's just your job to have value. Every person has an amount of value in life. But it's perishing. In fact, an old-time preacher said this, Vance Havner said, the tragedy of our time is that the situation is desperate, but the saints are not. I'll read it one more time. The tragedy of our time is that the situation is desperate, church. It's, people are dying and going to hell, but the saints are not. Forty million people will die this year never, hurting, never having heard about Jesus. Forty million people will die never having heard the name Jesus. And we learned during worship how powerful that name is. You can just call out Jesus. He that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's how powerful the name of Jesus is. It's precious, but it's perishing in his sight. John F. Kennedy said this, Almost all presidents leave office feeling that their work is unfinished. I have a lot to do and so little time. He knew the urgency. He died three weeks later. If there's not an urgency in the church, there won't be an urgency in the world except for the world to take consume parts of the church. The church needs to be urgent. We don't need to bash people over the head with our Bible. We need to simply love them into the kingdom of God. We need to simply throw our arms around them and give them a big old spiritual hug and say, it's going to be all right. It's okay to say God loves you. Maybe God doesn't love what they do. Maybe God doesn't love our failures, our flaws, our problems. But he loves you. He loves us. He loves them, whoever them are. But there's a perishing harvest out there because the church has gotten a little complacent. The church gets a little lazy. You know, if the lights are too bright, if the, the beams shine, if the fog hits this and the song's a little too loud or the preacher goes a little too long or maybe he's too short or maybe he's too soft or maybe he's too hard or maybe, and all of a sudden we, we, we start to change and, all of a, and, and it's not, but we only care about us instead of the harvest. It's time for the church to stop caring about us that are saved and start worrying about those who aren't so that we can share the good news. Because <laughs> it's good news, church. It, it is good news. God sent his son so that you can be saved. We need, and listen, we need to stop asking our political parties to do the work for us. It's not up to politicians. Let them rule the land. We have someone that rules the earth. We have someone that rules the world. We have someone that rules the universe. And he wants to save everybody. It's like I've talked to believers before that are, they sound like they're almost happy someone's going to hell. No. No, that should hurt us in our, that should sicken our stomach to know that anybody that we've come in contact with will perish on the other side. 
we got to live this life with an urgency that they all must be saved. Now, we know that may not be true, but listen, we need to live it that way. Amen? There's a per- there is a perishing crowd out there. And then number four, last but not least, is priority. There is an overwhelming love in Jesus that he made the harvest his priority. I wrote this down uh, yesterday morning. The Lord woke me up, and I was asking the Lord, what, what should the church be? Lord, what should the church be? I mean, I, I love our worship team. I love our worship services. I, I love to preach. I love to talk to people. I love Sunday mornings when we can see people. But, Lord, I know it should be more than what should church be. He, he told me to write these things down. The church should be a hospital for hurting people. It should be, if you are hurting, we should be able just to love you right where you're at. But if you're hurting, you got to let us know. Right? I mean, you got but, but then the problem is with letting people know is then do you become part of the gossip chain? I mean, the prayer chain. But did you hear about so-and-so? No. If someone's hurting, we need to, we need to help them. And, and by the way, if you're hurting, we learned this from the people in the medical profession, sometimes it actually hurts a little bit worse before it gets a lot better. So that you have to be examined. But if you're hurting, we need to be a hospital. Number two, we need to be a hotel for the spiritually homeless. Someone who says, I can't go to that church because I know they're this. I can't go to that church and I know that. I can't go to that church and I know that. Listen, we've preached this for years. Grace has to open the doors so that truth can be taught. If grace doesn't open the doors so truth can be taught, then we're as wrong as the people who don't darken the doors. We have, to be a, we have to be a hotel for homeless people spiritually. We have to be an awakening. We have to, and listen, the presence of God will change people. The presence of God will wake them up and shake them because they'll feel the love that they've never felt in their home or in society because they've never been accepted. Well, I don't look that way. I don't act that way. Back in the legalistic days, you had to wear certain clothes. You had to dress a certain way, and it was a really good mask, and it really was honoring for most people. But then it became just a, a mask of duty, and we weren't accepting people that came in their way. We need, to, we need to be that hotel for homeless, spiritual homeless people. And number three, we need to be a high-rise for those building the kingdom of God. In other words, all of our victories are up, not self-centered on us. All of our victories we share with other people. All of our victories we, we, we glorify as God is king. We, glorify, we, we, we raise up heaven's standards, not our own. And so there is a priority. Jesus came, and for three and a half years he ministered. For 30 and a half years, or 33 and a half years he lived. For three and a half years he ministered to people. And so he broke down his groups, okay? He had 70, he had 12, he had three, he had one. He, there was a discipleship going on there. Matthew 9, 37 and 38 says this, Then he, he said to his disciples, The Lord is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly. I like that word earnestly because it, there's, some, there's some compassion there. There's some passion. Sometimes I think we, we pray. I would, uh, we, all, <laughs> we always try to give our grandkids and, and, and some of our uh, other family members, we, we asked to pray over the, the dinner at lunchtime. And I loved it. I love to see the passion of which they pray. 
I used Judah earlier. I'll use him again. He put his head on the counter, and I won't tell you what he prayed or what he said, but he was so passionate about his, about his prayer. And Grammy had just given him a dragon. And Judah, would you pray for the lunch? And Father God, Father God, I thank you for that dragon. <laughs> and, and other things we won't get into. And then and charity was helping him, and for the food, and for the food. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a passionate, earnest, and I, I like that in, in young people. Church, please, can we stop going through the motions? Can we just say, God, I need to be real with you right now. And, and Lord, I want you to be real with me. If I'm not praying earnestly for the harvest, Lord, can we get our act straight? Can we start praying for the harvest? That Lord, the, not listen, not for the harvest, but for laborers to go out into the harvest. You are all missionaries. We don't have to leave it up to Nicaragua or to Haiti. We don't need to leave it up to Convoy of Hope. We don't need to leave it up to the debt relief systems. We need to leave it up to Grace Church. Like if we were the only church in this community and we left, would the community even know we were even here? Thank you, Marcus, and your team for giving away 30,000 pounds of food this summer. That's huge. That's huge. Schools were benefited. Cherokee benefited. Block parties benefited. Somebody's got to be Jesus to this community. Somebody has to be a laborer in the harvest. Can I go into the harvest? Yes, it was priority. Religious people in Jesus' day saw the common people as chaff needing to be destroyed. But Jesus saw them and still does today as a brilliant harvest ready to be reaped and saved. See, a lot of times, church, as the worship team comes back, we look at people's problems. But where do you know the solution? The solution is Jesus. The solution is life. The solution is hope. The solution is mercy. The solution is grace. So what do we do? Well, we go into the harvest. And I, my suggestion would be this. Maybe just go one by one. Maybe just one person at a time. I did simple math recently. And if 25 of us went and just mentored one person. At the end of the year, asked them to mentor somebody and picked another person. Over 10 years, you're only going to mentor 10 people. But if everybody duplicated themselves over that same 10 years through the, the theory of multiplication, 12,800 people would be discipled. I mean, just, that's all people are looking for. They're not looking for judges. They're not even looking for coaches. They're simply looking to be discipled the grace of God. Stand with me, with me this morning, if you would. You know, the harvest is white, and you're a missionary. And you don't have to go to Nicaragua. Thank God for those who do. You don't have to go to Haiti. Thank God for those. You don't have to go to Cherokee. You don't even have to go outside of your neighborhood. You're a missionary right where you're at in your job or your neighborhood, your family, your co-workers, your friends. We find it through our, our youngest daughter who has a son who plays football that his football player friends like to come to church. And she's got to pick them up and she's got to take them home and she's got to feed them sometimes. She got to, and sometimes she, they sleep over so they can go to church. And they, but they like to come to church. You know what it is? They love community. They love family. They love being accepted. They love, they love the, 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 the joy that, that comes in that realm. You don't have to preach. You just have to love. Because that's what the gospel is. So let me pray with you. We're going to sing another song.
I pray during this song, you open your hearts and say, Father, who can I love this week that maybe I haven't loved? Who can I accept this week that maybe I haven't accepted? Who can I have mercy and forgiveness on this week who maybe I haven't had forgiveness? Father, in Jesus' name, we bless you, we praise you, we thank you. Father, I pray you open the hearts of men and women right here, right now, or to accept people in the condition they are, knowing that they're part of the harvest, and knowing, one, you want to change those people, and knowing knowing number two, that you'll separate them at the end. You'll separate them in the last days. We don't have to. It's not our job. Never has been. Never will be. That's for you to decide. So Lord, help us to love people right where they're at. Accept them right where they're at. Encourage them right where they're at. And invite them right where they're at into your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship one more time.
to come down? Do you believe that in the name of Jesus we can have salvation, we can have healing, we can have freedom, we can have forgiveness in the name of Jesus? That at the name of Jesus one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. The Bible tells us that one day every knee is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Whether you believed it on earth or not, one day we're all going to stand before him and we will bow. But the choice is yours today to say, today I will choose whom I will serve, and I'm going to choose to serve the Lord today. And that is the hope that we have, that our God provides salvation for his people. Our God is the God of salvation. Amen? There's so many that haven't heard that. That's the harvest field. But here's the good news. This doesn't really work out geographically, but mathematically. All right, I want to give you a picture. If every believer on earth would win three people to Jesus Christ, or even just share the gospel with three people, then the entire world would at least know the hope of salvation. Isn't that incredible? So many of us are living right next door to somebody, or work in the cubicle right next to somebody, or your locker is right next to somebody at school or at the gym, and that person doesn't know the hope of salvation. So I know you probably want to go win the whole world and you're a little overwhelmed and you're not really sure how to even begin. But could you start with one person, like Pastor challenged you to, or three people over the course of this one year or the next three years? Could you pray? I want to challenge you to today, maybe even before you leave this room, say a prayer for one person. The fields are white and ripe in the harvest. Man, you think about all the billions of people that are lost. It just is overwhelming. But if we all just reached three people, the whole world would be saved. Amen. And it's Jesus reaching them, but he's using us to do it. So think about that one person. And I want to close in prayer and look for an opportunity this week to not only continue in prayer, but to take one step to text them, to encourage them, to ask, how are you? Maybe you can ask, can I pray for you? Maybe you can invite them to church or send them the link or send them an encouraging scripture, whatever it is. Maybe it's not convincing them that they're a sinner and leading them to Christ. Maybe you get there eventually, but what's the one thing you could do this week to start that conversation? 
let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the grace that you have given to all of us. Lord, you are merciful. You are full of compassion. Lord God, our hope is in you and in you alone. God, we don't have a plan B. Lord, we don't have a second option, God. It's all you. And our salvation is in you. And our hope is in you, God. And we thank you that we have that. Lord, but we are filled with compassion for the harvest field. God, that so many have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, and as overwhelming as it is, God, we know that it's so simple that if we could just share the gospel with one person, if we all did that, God, eventually the world will know. So, God, I ask for the one person this week. Lord, God, I ask for my next-door neighbor. God, I pray that you would touch his heart. Lord, that they would know that, Jesus, you are the hope of the world. God, that for their marriage and for their uh, peace, God, Lord, that you would be the answer. Lord, I pray for each person here that you would fill us with the Holy Ghost, with the Spirit of God and the power to do what only you can do. God, that we are nothing by our own selves, but in Christ, we are the hope that the world needs. But I pray that you would go before us and show us the one person to continue praying for this week. Show us how we can help that one person see Jesus this week. I pray that you bless each one here with whatever they're going through. Finances, marriages, Lord, peace and health. God, that you would be the Lord of our lives. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.